Well, good morning. Uh, life is full of surprises, isn't it? Uh, these surprises, they come in uh, both good and bad forms sometimes. In fact, uh, not a single one of us can really be sure what a day holds. Uh, we, we kind of acknowledge that fact in our minds, but it still doesn't keep us from the shock that we experience when unexpected events happen to us in real time. Uh, we, we often say things like this in our minds or out loud. Uh, things like, well, this tragedy will never happen to me. Have you ever said that? Or, well, my family member, uh, they'll never get sick. Or even, boy, every other Christian in my church may experience hardship or difficulty for the name of Christ, but not me. You see, we often feel exempt from the norms that come from living in a broken world as broken people. But sooner or later, uh, we have to come to grips with the reality that both positively and negatively, life is going to affect us in ways that we never expected. In fact, it's really kind of points to the providential hand of God that uh, we're, we're at this place in 1 Peter. Um, months and months ago, this past fall, uh, I was uh, writing um, this chapter that we're currently on in the book of 1 Peter I, and, and was writing this very introduction that, that life takes us by surprise and difficulty takes us by surprise uh, when COVID-19 wasn't even a thing. Uh, but yet here we are. Difficulty comes and it shocks us sometimes. It shouldn't because we're living in a broken world, but yet it does. And Peter talks about suffering. And as followers of Jesus, Peter makes clear that suffering is one aspect of the Christian life that should never take us by surprise. Now, there, there's a certain type of difficulty in life that, that's common to all men, uh, like experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. We're all experiencing this. But Peter's talking about... a even deeper kind of suffering, a more specific kind of suffering that is related to our Christian faith. The type of suffering that Christians are called on to endure for the cause of Christ, for being a follower of Jesus. And you know, it's easy for us as Christians to many times fall into the trap of believing that the pathway to heaven is an easy one. It's one marked by smooth roads, a little resistance, one marked by a material prosperity or self-confidence. But you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Peter makes clear throughout the book, and specifically now as we get to this point in chapter 4, he makes clear that living as sojourners and exiles means being willing to suffer now so that we can experience glory forevermore. And this pattern isn't something to, to kind of get discouraged by. It's not something to bemoan. It's not something to run from. But it's an inescapable truth 
that we can actually take delight in. We take delight in this because we have to realize that God never wastes suffering. Therefore, if God never wastes suffering, we are enduring and our endurance isn't in vain. God is accomplishing much in our sorrows. And in chapter 4, verses 12 to 19, this next section in the book of 1 Peter, uh, Peter directs our attention uh, to four key principles regarding suffering. Suffering is something to be expected. And in light of that, we're going to see over the next couple weeks, we're going to uh, take a break for Easter Sunday. Pastor Dennis is, is going to uh, give an Easter message next week. Uh, but over the next couple weeks, we are going to look at four principles regarding suffering in our Christian life. Uh, this morning, we're going to see that we can, believe it or not, have joy in suffering. Then we're going to look that we can, number two, have confidence in suffering. We're going to see that there's a reason for suffering. And last but not least, we're going to see that we can depend on God in our suffering. And each of these truths are crucial for us if we are going, like the theme of our series is, if we are going to faithfully persevere in mission in light of our identity as the people of God. So this morning, we're going to look at verses 12 and 13, and we're going to see that suffering should not take us by surprise. But let's begin uh, with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for uh, this uh, day you've given us to worship once again uh, as, as individual families. Uh, Lord, as we are, the church scattered, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, preserve us that you would uh, comfort us, that you would help us to be living for you uh, where you've put us. Help us to find our delight, uh, not in what the news says or not in what we, we feel or see around us, but Lord, help us to, to take delight in your promises, in your character. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, verses 12 to 13 of 1 Peter 4 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Uh, so point number one regarding suffering is that we can have joy in suffering. It is indeed possible. Now, when we think about joy or happiness, uh, everybody wants to be happy. Yet, the problem is, is that happiness is often equated to kind of this, this shallow emotion that stems from our circumstances. It stems from events. It stems uh, from people. But the Bible shows us that true biblical happiness or joy, it's not devoid of emotion, but it's also not dependent on our emotions either. You see, true joy, 
when we speak of it in terms that the Bible uses, true joy is an eternal perspective that's centered on God's plans and purposes for His people. That, that's what encompasses uh, biblical joy, biblical happiness, an eternal perspective centered on God's plans and purposes for His people. When we have this kind of, of biblical joy, we, we find that, that this type of joy or happiness, it does not waver in the face of difficulty, uh, but it remains steadfast to the hope that we have in Christ. And we see that in this passage. I'm going to give a few reasons this morning why we can have joy in suffering from verses 12 and 13. First of all, suffering is not strange. It is not something to be considered weird or out of the ordinary. It's not strange to us. In fact, we see this in verse 12 when he says, Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. A couple things to point out here from verse 12. Uh, Peter mentions here, he addresses his readers, he addresses us as the beloved. And, and, and this is important, really, uh, for two reasons. First of all, this marks out the third and final section in the book of 1 Peter. You remember and you see on your screen uh, the chart of how 1 Peter is, is divided. But you remember that the first part of, of 1 Peter, verses, chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 10, it, it talks about our gospel identity and how the good news of the gospel has entered into our hearts. And then the second section of 1 Peter, it talks about our identity, not only in light of the gospel, but our identity as exiles because of the gospel. And the second section of, of uh, 1 Peter is marked in chapter 2 and verse 11 by the word, the very word we see now, beloved. In other words, um, as the beloved, we are to know how to behave ourselves, how to live as exiles in this world. And now we come, marked by this same word, beloved, to the third and final section of Peter's letter. And here he deals with not only our, our identity in the gospel, not only our identity as exiles, but thirdly, our identity, our household identity. In other words, how are we to behave as the church of God? The church of God in this world that's awaiting the return of Jesus. The second reason that this word beloved is important is because we have to realize that, that these Christians were dear to Peter's heart. And even more than that, they were dear to God himself. We too are dear to one another and we're dear to God. But here's the important point, that being loved by God, being God's beloved, does not exempt us from difficulty. It does not exempt us from suffering. So many people get bitter at God because they are enduring hardship. 
But the Bible tells us that is a mark of God's love, not a mark of His disfavor. He's seeking to do something in us through this hardship. We can trust that no matter what we're going through, we are the beloved of God. But then Peter says, don't be surprised. So if Peter says, don't be surprised, the the logical thing to conclude is that suffering has a tendency to take us by surprise. If you look at chapter 4 and verse 4, the same word is used. Uh, Peter says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Here in chapter 4, verse 4, Peter's saying that those that are unsaved and you as Christians have now become saved and don't do the things you used to do with these people, they become shocked that you no longer are willing to do those things. And as a result of that, they get bitter at you and they malign you. The same exact word here is used in verse 12, this time of Christians. You see, it's easy for us to experience shock when we go through difficulty. And that in turn can lead to bitterness. And Peter's saying, don't let that happen. If you are going through hardship, don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. In fact, in John 15 and verse 20, Jesus told his followers, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You see, Jesus was telling his followers, uh, don't expect to travel a different road than your master. This morning we celebrate Palm Sunday when Jesus rode on a donkey, the people praised him. But yet, later that week, on Good Friday, Jesus suffered rejection at the hands of men as well. We shouldn't be surprised to follow in the same path that Jesus has led before us. But then another important thing to look at in 1 Peter, he says, uh, Beloved, do not be surprised, but don't be surprised at what? The fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you. Here we see the fiery trial. Another way of, of, of translating this term would be the burning trial. In other words, this is a test, this is a trial that God lets his people go through, but not for the purpose of destruction, but for the purpose of refining, burning away the impurities, just like gold gets burned and the impurities are able to be sifted away. Do you remember uh, we studied uh, a c- couple months ago in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7 uh, the same idea? Peter told his readers then in verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. But what's the result? Verse 7, So that... The tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, that's the purpose of God's working, of the the burning, fiery trial that He allows His people to go through, both individually and together as a church. God is purifying us. He's purifying His church so that that we will be a spotless bride when He returns. In fact, this concept of, of God's people enduring difficulty... Uh, before Christ returns, it's, it's a concept that is found throughout the Bible. In fact, there's a, there's a term for it called the messianic woes, that, that God's people will suffer difficulty before Christ returns. And that's what Peter's talking about in verses 12 to 19. In fact, we read about God's refining process in the life of His people. In in the Old Testament, we see in Zechariah 13, verse 9, it's on your screen. It says, I will put this third into the fire, a third of God's people, and refine them as one refined silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is my God. There's the purpose of God's refining to draw us to himself, to purify himself a people so that we will look to him and say, the Lord is my God. And he will say to us, they are my people. You know, in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, James tells us to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the result of God's refining fire. In chapter 1 of James and verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What is the end result of enduring God's testing? It is the crown of life. It is life eternal with God forever. And that's why in verse 12, he he ends this verse with with an assurance. Why are we not to be surprised at, at these difficulties that we experience specifically for living for Jesus? The difficulties that we experience as a result of serving Him, of being a light in this world. We're not to be surprised because we're not to think that something strange was happening to us. There's an assurance here that suffering is not unique to us. God's people, as we've just seen, have experienced suffering since the beginning of redemptive history, from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, it's interesting that 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 word strange, it it, it can also uh, be translated, don't think it's something foreign. How does Peter describe Christians in in 1 Peter? 
as foreigners. In other words, what he's kind of saying here, if you're a foreigner because of your association with Jesus, then don't think it's foreign to have to go through difficulty. We are, our home is not in this world system. Therefore, if this world system rejects us, we aren't to think it strange or foreign that as foreigners, we are going through the difficulties that we encounter. You see, God is allowing us to go through this. So we can have joy in suffering because suffering is not strange. God is working His purposes in our life. We don't have joy because we want to go through the difficulty. We have joy in what God is accomplishing through the difficulty. But, but the second reason that, that we can have joy in suffering is not only that verse 12 shows us that suffering's not strange, but verse 13 we, shows us we can have joy in suffering because when we endure this suffering for Christ, we are actually sharing in Christ's sufferings. You see, verse 13 says, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings. You see, sharing means rejoicing. Sharing in Christ's sufferings is the very cause for our rejoicing. Peter makes a contrast here between verse 12, being surprised, a surprise that leads to bitterness and frustration and anger. He contrasts that with the joy that we can have that can be ours because we are partaking in Jesus' sufferings when we suffer in His name for Him. Do you remember uh, when Peter in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, he was, he was beaten for enduring suffering. He was beaten for, for uh, his testimony to Christ before the people. And what, ha- what, what, what does the Bible describe in verse, chapter 5, verse 41 of Acts 5? Um, when they left the council, the religious council, after having suffered for Christ, it says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. You see, they counted it a privilege to know that they were so identified with Jesus that they were able to take part in suffering for so high a cause, for so great a person. Do you view suffering for the cause of Christ in light of being actually counted worthy to suffer for your great King? That's the way the Bible talks about suffering for Jesus. In Philippians 3 and verse 10, Paul shares that he is eager not only to share in Jesus' resurrection power, but to share in his suffering because through suffering he would be made conformed to Jesus. In Acts 14 and verse 22, Paul tells the Christians that it is through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. God's people will suffer. 
But not only do we realize that, man, as we share in Jesus's sufferings, to the extent that we share in his sufferings is the extent of the joy and the privilege that we can count our own because we are identified with Jesus. But sharing not only means rejoicing, but it also uh, uh, suffering also means a sharing in something else. A sharing in eternal glory. The end of verse 13 says um, that when we rejoice in the midst of suffering, it says that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. When is Jesus' glory revealed? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses, six, uh, verses 7 to 9 tells us that Jesus' glory is revealed when He comes again. When He returns His second coming. You see, so in other words, we have to realize that present rejoicing in the midst of difficulty will give way to eternal rejoicing when Jesus comes again. Our rejoicing is not based on the things that we see and feel and touch uh, here, right now, in the immediate. Our rejoicing is based upon what we know God is doing in us and the fact that we know He is coming again to make all the wrongs right. And we will share forever in the glory that is manifested at Christ's coming. So we have to see the pattern here. That just as Jesus suffered, so we as His followers will suffer. But just as Jesus, after His suffering, was exalted by God Himself and will come again, will rule and reign here on earth, so we as His followers will also, after our suffering, be exalted with Jesus and serve Him forever in His glory and joy and peace. That is the perspective we are to have as God's people. So how do we know if we're living with this eternal perspective? How can you answer the question in your own heart, am I living looking towards what God is doing in my heart and, what, and, and that Jesus is coming back? Am I living with eternity in mind? You know how you answer that question? You ask yourself, is my present day joy found in Jesus? Am I rejoicing in Him even though life is difficult right now? With the circumstances of this pandemic that we're still going through, but even greater than that, my suffering as a follower of Jesus, suffering because I follow Jesus? Is my joy wrapped up in Christ and what God is working in me? Or is my joy wrapped up in anything less? That answers the question, with what perspective am I living? You see, we can rejoice in present suffering because we are embracing the refining work of God in our life. We can be glad because God's glory through Christ will one day be revealed. So as we close this morning, I just want to ask you, what are you looking to for joy or happiness this morning? 
Have you been settling for kind of a shallow happiness that, that comes, it goes with life circumstances? Have you forgotten that you are called to an even greater joy as a follower of Jesus? Would you find today your hope, your joy, your rest in what God is doing, in the reality that Jesus is coming and we will share one day in His glory. So as we close this morning, we once again see that in light of the work of Christ on our behalf, we are called to faithful perseverance and mission in light of our identity as the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we close this morning, would you do a work in our heart, Lord? You promise that if we are your followers, God, whether it be through suffering, whether it be uh, even through the, the normal routines of life that you are purifying us. Lord, as a church body, you are purifying your church so that we would be more effective for you here today and that we would be ready for your coming whenever that day arrives. Would you help us to, have, to live with an eternal perspective that is focused on Christ and not settle for shallow happiness? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, I want us to close in a, in a final benediction uh, as we uh, do when we're all together. Uh, let's read together from 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Amen, and God bless you as you enter this new week.